Take your Bibles this evening and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 6. We are looking at principles, and uh, we've been doing that now for several months, looking at various principles found in the Word of God. And tonight we're going to look at the principle of the unequal yoke. Principle of, the, of an unequal yoke. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 11 down through chapter 7 and verse 1. All right, so let's all stand together. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow him to look on with you. And let's begin in verse 11 with me, if you would. It says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You're not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the, in the same, I speak as unto my children, be also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word and allow it to speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to your word and so that when the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and applies it, uh, Lord, we uh, will allow it to do the work inside of us that it's intended to do. Father, please speak to our hearts tonight. Reveal to us places where we might be violating uh, this principle of the unequal yoke. It's something that we have to, 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 just like all of the principles, really, we need to constantly be vigilant. We need to constantly be on guard because so easy uh, for, for us to slip and to just, to just a little bit at a time uh, ease into uh, the wrong side of things and, uh, and, and, and not please you. And in, in the area of an unequal yoke, this is, this is something that's easy for us to do. So we pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom from above, give us some understanding and we pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct and speak to our hearts tonight through your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll give you a little background of the of uh, the both actually both books, both First and Second Corinthians. The Corinthian church was known as a very very carnal church. It was a a church that was was a very worldly church. And Paul made a statement. He said this, he said, the more I love you, he said, the less I be loved. Now, he's talking to save people, and he's saying that, you know, the more, the more I love you, he says, the more I show love to you, the more I, 
I spend myself for you, it seems like the less you love me back. Uh, Paul, Paul loved the, the Corinthians, and that was without a doubt. They did not, however, love him back like they should have. And, and in some cases where he loved them more, they actually returned less love in, you know, to him. Uh, why was that? Well, it was because they had a divided heart. And he kind of hits the nail on the head uh, in this passage of Scripture from 11 down to chapter 7 and verse 1. Uh, they had allowed themselves to get, get involved in the world beyond that which uh, God intended and beyond that which, which God allowed. And he talks about, about uh, being not unequally yoked. Where that comes from, it comes from actually the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 22.10, God said, don't take, a, don't take a, an oxen and yoke it up with a donkey and try to get some work done because it won't work. Uh, you won't be able to get accomplished what you want to be accomplished when you have an oxen with a, with a donkey. If you want to get the job done, you take an oxen and put it with another oxen. And uh, so he was, he was speaking about yoking up with the world. And, uh, and, you know, there's all kinds of pulls and all kinds of pressure for us to do this on a, on a continual basis. And, uh, and what he's making is an appeal from, for separation from the world. And, and you know, the, the older I get in the Lord, and the, the, the older I get, period, uh, you, just, you just really see the importance of having that very, very distinct dividing line between us and the world. And uh, as he makes his appeal from verse 11 on down in chapter 6, uh, he starts out by asking some questions, and there's five questions that he asks in this passage. First one is, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? He's asking, he's saying, listen, if there's, if there's unrighteousness on one side and there's righteousness on the other side, and you ought to be on the righteous side, what kind of fellowship can you, can you have with unrighteousness? Now, fellowship means, means being together or sharing similar interests or experiences. It's a, it's a union of friends or equals, sharing similar interests. Well, the truth of the matter is, the longer you're saved, the more there ought to be a difference between you and the world. And here's, here's what the problem was with the Corinthians. You couldn't tell the difference between them and a worldly person. Uh, per, a person that was worldly and unsaved uh, was looked and acted and had some of the same interests that the Corinthian Christians had. And, uh, and he said, listen, there ought to be a difference there. There ought to be a difference. Uh, those who are righteous, who are godly, uh, don't have enough in common with the unrighteous. So therefore, they can't get together and, and have a good time. Now, I realize you can, you can have friends that are in the world. I understand that. But you can only go so far. I've, uh, we, we, had, we had some friends out in, out in Green Bay. We were out there for many years, and we, we had different neighbors over the years. Well, the last, the, the, one of the last neighbors that we, we got, uh, the, these folks were, 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 were sweet folks. Uh, I particularly got, got along well with the husband. Uh, whenever I go back there, we try to oftentimes we'll, we'll stop by to visit them. 
But uh, we can only go so far with them. And that's because they weren't saved. And, uh, you know, we would start talking about things and we would notice a big difference. And the difference is the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. And the closer you get to God, the less you have in common with the world. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. The second question that he asked was, uh, what communion hath light with darkness? Well, obviously, light and darkness are distinctly different. When you have darkness and all of a sudden you turn on the flashlight, it dispels the darkness and there is a definite, there's a definite separation between the two. He says, what communion hath light with darkness? Communion, again, means to share things in common. And believers don't, don't have things in common with unbelievers, particularly in the spiritual area. Now, there, there are some things you may find in common, and there uh, you can, you can uh, have some agreement. But uh, spiritually speaking, there ought to be a distinct difference, and not just spiritually, but the spiritual affects the everyday life. And so there ought to be, there ought to be differences. And, uh, and what he's saying is, he's saying there's really light and darkness cannot mix together because when the light comes, the darkness dispels. Third question that he asked was, what concord hath Christ with Belial? And of course, when he says Belial, he's talking about Satan. And concord just simply means harmony. Folks, I don't have any, I don't have any harmony with Satan, okay? Uh, you shouldn't have it either. And when we start agreeing with the way things, the devil does things, there's something wrong with us. And uh, concord just simply means harmony or agreement of interests or feelings. And there should be a distinct difference. If Christ and the devil uh, don't have anything similar in interests or feelings, then Christ children and the devil's children ought not to either because we ought to be, be following the Lord. You know, keep that in mind when, when you find yourself reading books, when you find yourself watching things, watching news, watching movies, uh, talk, you know, you listen to talk radio, uh, etc. cetera, uh, understand, you say, yeah, but they're conservative. Yeah, but they're lost conservative. And lost conservative is different than saved conservative. And all God's people said, <laughs> I hope you see the difference. It's not, it's not the same. And when, when those lines start getting blurred, that's when we get in trouble. The world doesn't get in trouble. They just keep going on the way that they've been going. But we get in trouble when we allow those, those lines to blur. The, uh, the fourth question he asked, was what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And, and again, you know, what he's doing is he's showing the contrast. He's saying, listen, uh, you are fellowshipping with, you are starting to become common with unsaved people. And remember who they are, their darkness. Remember who they are. They are infidels. Now, again, you love them. You care for them. You want to see them saved. You want to win them to Christ. But, but understand, uh, when he says part, he's talking about participation. I, I've, heard, I've heard people make this comment, save people. Uh, I've heard them say, uh, you know, uh, I have 
better and more friends who are lost than I have that are saved. Well, then there's something wrong with you. You just admitted that you are a worldly Christian. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's, that's what the scripture says. It's not me talking, that's the scripture talking. And, he's, and, and, and God makes it very, very plain that we should not have participation with them to the same level that we do with saved people. Um, now, do you have to live with unsaved people? Sure you do. Uh, keep your finger here and go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians 5, he addressed a situation where there was sin in the camp. There was a, a believer who was committing immorality, and uh, he said, listen, separate yourself from this believer until he repents. And, and of course, if you follow 2 Corinthians, he did repent. He got the thing right, and so Paul had to say, hey, lay off on him now. Now, now you need to bring him back in and help him and, and guide him and direct him and show him love, which, which they eventually did. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, he makes a, 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 tremendous, a tremendous statement. In, in chapter 5, verse 9, he says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. Listen, if you didn't have contact with any of those people, you wouldn't have contact with most of Auburn because they're involved in that stuff, okay? I, you know, Paul's saying, I realize you have to have some kind of connection with them, but don't make that connection real deep. And I have watched what happens to people who do. And what happens is they become like the Corinthian Christians. You can't tell the difference between the lost and the saved. And again, the, the, the Old Testament principle is so, so necessary to understand. And, the, and that is the principle that when something that is clean comes in contact with something that is unclean, the clean does not make the unclean clean. What happens is the unclean defiles the clean. And if you don't have your guard up for that kind of thing, you're going to get messed up in this world. Uh, because honestly, and, and you know this as well as I do, there's a whole lot more lost people out there than there's saved people out there. And yes, you have to do business with them. But what God, God says is just be careful. Make sure that there is a difference and make sure that you draw a line, that you can only go so far with, with the unsaved. And then the, the last question he, he asks is, he says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now, again, that word agreement means of the same mind, agreeing with. Uh, you know, if, if you're saved, you don't have a lot of agreement with unsaved people. Now, there's some things you're going to be on the same page with. But, but uh, uh I found, again, as this world keeps slipping and sliding in the wrong direction, you're going to have less and less in common with them. And so you, you need to be very, very careful. Um, you know, uh, uh, 
it's, it's important that you don't agree or hold as, as important the idols of unbelievers. They have certain things that, that are, are precious to them. What is precious to a lost person should not be necessarily precious to you. Uh, th- there are differences. Uh, their ideals, money, things, pleasures, and so, and so forth, those things will be different. So the, the, one of the conclusions simply is this. Believers and unbelievers just don't mix. They, they need to do business with each other, and I understand that. You need to live in a world that's full of lost people. I understand that you need to be a testimony to people that are, are not saved. But, but be careful. Uh, just remember, godly and ungodly, godly and worldly don't mix. And uh, each of these things, the righteousness and unrighteousness, the light and the darkness, the uh, Christ and Belial, uh, believers and infidels, the temple of God and idols, uh, naturally separate because they don't mix. If, you were, if I was to, to take uh, some olive oil and uh, pour it into a jar and then pour some water in on top of it and take that thing and, and uh, put a cap on it and start shaking it vigorously. It wouldn't make any difference how hard I shook it. Eventually, the water and the oil would separate. Why? Because they're different. It's just that simple. And we ought to be distinctly different from the lost, and we have to constantly uh, have our guard up. Those two things don't mix. This, you know, this uh, will, will, will fall into uh, various areas, this principle. Uh, it'll, it'll fall into the area of dating and marriage. My wife had a, had a uh, principle that she followed when, before, before she met me and even after she met me. Uh, and the, the principle was every date's a possible mate. She had some, some lost people ask her, some lost guys ask her out. And she said, no. She says, I, no, I can't do that. Uh, that would not be a wise thing for me to do. Well, that was, that, that, that was not only wise, it was good for me because I ended up getting her. But, uh, but it, was, it, was a, it was a wise principle to have. And I, I have watched uh, saved people violate that principle and end up in misery for much of their life because they violated that principle. Uh, it it, uh, it uh, falls into the areas of friends and business partnerships. It's not wise to have a, a business partnership with a lost person and a saved person. And it's because they don't mix. They are different. Uh, clubs or groups, you need to be careful. Music, it, it'll affect your music. It'll affect your entertainment. Uh, you know, uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. Look at this with me, if you would. Proverbs chapter 12. We, I'm, I'm sure you have heard <clears throat> the, the news items that have, that have uh, been out about over the last 6 to 12 months where uh, drag queens have been going into public libraries and encouraging children, to, or parents to bring their children to, to li- listen to the drag queens read stories. 
I, that, that's appalling. That's an abomination. Uh, you shouldn't have anything to do. And we look at that and we say, oh, that's awful. And yet in other areas, we do the same thing. It's just not as obvious right away. It's just not as blatant right away. And in, in Proverbs chapter 12, look with me down in verse uh, 26. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26. It says, the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. Did you get that? It says, listen, a righteous person is more more is, is better than a, a wicked person, but the wicked person is trying to seduce them. Understand, the world wants agreement, and we, we have seen that more lately than I've ever seen in my lifetime, where they don't just, they don't just want, want you to leave them alone. They want to force you to agree. And this, this whole thing with, with the transgender and and uh, homosexuality and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's gonna, and it already has started knocking on churches' doors, but it's going to get worse and more and more. What's, what, why does that happen? Because they're trying to seduce the righteous. Understand, they don't like being different. Well, you are different, and you ought to understand that you're different, and you need to draw the line. Why? Because you're susceptible. And the, the Corinthian believers were extremely susceptible. Think of this in the Old Testament. Lot was given an opportunity to, uh, well, he had to separate from, uh, from Abram, from Abraham. And their, their herdsmen were starting to contend with each other. They didn't have enough, enough land and so forth. And so they decided to go in separate directions. And so what Abraham did was a very gracious thing. He, he actually could have chosen first, but he didn't. He allowed Lot to choose first. Well, Lot had been to Egypt with Abraham. And he liked the well-watered plains of Egypt. When he lifted up his eyes, he looked and he saw Sodom. And he saw that the, that, that area was similar to what he had seen and liked down in Egypt, and Egypt in scripture all the way through is a type or a picture of the world. And so what did he choose? Well, he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. When he did that, the Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He didn't move in. He pitched his tent toward it. But when, when God told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom, and Abraham went through all that business of, well, what if there's 50 righteous? What if there's 40 righteous? What if there's 30 and so forth, all the way down to 10? He sent, he sent angels into, into to Sodom to get Lot and his family. Why? Because now they weren't just pitched towards Sodom. They were right inside it. What had happened? They'd been seduced. And what happened to Lot's family? He lost them all. You think about it. There was, there was uh, some daughters and in-laws that he had that he could not persuade to leave the city. He did, did get his wife and his daughters to go with him. 
His, his wife disobeyed God, looked backwards because her heart, I think, it was in Sodom for whatever reason. And you can say, well, it's because her kids were there. It, that could have been a big part of it. But she was still told not to look back. She turned into a pillar of salt. So he lost his wife. Then uh, when, once they, they got out of Sodom, both of his daughters committed immorality with him in order to preserve the seed. Where did they learn that? You know where they learned it. You know as well as I do. They learned it in Sodom. Okay? Uh, so for all practical purposes, he lost his whole family. And that's because he went in that direction. Be careful of ever going in that direction. It, 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 will, it will cause you great loss. Now, there's some, there's some conclusions that we can come to uh, about unequal yokes. Let me give you just some, just some obvious stuff to, to consider. First of all, you can't avoid casual relationships with unbelievers, and you shouldn't avoid it. If, if, uh, if, if, you, if, you, uh, you know, if you just become a hermit, then you can't be a light. We're to be a light in the world, uh, but understand, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're different. We're, we're supposed to be different. And there ought to be a separation there. And again, uh, you can only go so far with, with, with anyone who's lost. And in, in different situations, it, it's, it's different lines, but, but nonetheless, there are lines and there are limits. Uh, we are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. Uh, John 17, 4, Jesus made that real clear in his high priestly prayer. So we are Christians, but, but uh, we need to, and, and, and we will have casual relationships with unbelievers, but be careful with that because we're in, we're in the world, but not of it. Secondly, family relationships with unbelievers are important. Um, most of us have family members that are not saved. You know, I, I, I got saved and I had a... I, had a, a lost mom, a lost dad, lost brother, lost sister, lost brother-in-law, lost sister-in-law, uh, lost nephews. Uh, the, the whole family was lost. Well, I was supposed to cut off uh, relations with them. Um, I, I am careful, okay, and have been careful. Um, you know, uh, there's, there, I, I will only go just so far with some things. And, and then there comes a point where you have to say, okay, I'm not going to have a part in this. Uh, one of the things, one of the places we drew the line, uh, when we came back to New York State, you know, when we were living in Wisconsin, we never had a problem with family reunions uh, being on a Sunday because I couldn't, I could, <laughs> I'm not going to leave on, on Saturday and go, you know, for the weekend and uh, come all the way from Wisconsin. So we had a convenient excuse until we moved back here. And uh, then it was, well, okay, but, you know, uh, uh, you've got church services in the morning, you've got church services in the evening, but we're not that far away, so you can come in the afternoon. Well, I knew, you know, what was going to be involved in, in some of those things. They'd have a christening. You know what a christening is for most lost people? Uh, you know, that's, that's what they call baptizing babies. You know what that is? At least it was in my family. It's, it's uh, an excuse for a booze party. <laughs> that's really what it is. In fact, that, just about everything was an excuse 
for a booze party. And so what we would do is we would go to the party right in the very beginning, and then when we saw things were starting to get out of line, we'd just go ahead and leave. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to have that contact with your lost loved ones, but you need to be careful with it. Be a testimony and determine that you're going to shine bright for Jesus Christ. The third, third conclusion is that close relationships with unbelievers should be avoided. And again, I've heard people say, you know, well, I have closer relationships with lost people than I do saved people. And then I look at their life five years later, and it's a train wreck, okay? Uh, be careful of that stuff, because again, the unclean will defile the clean. It won't be the other way around. Uh, be friendly to the world. Uh, you know, th there's no excuse to be rude there's no excuse to be unkind. We need to be friendly, but, but don't be friends with the world. God makes that very clear. He says friendship with the world is enmity with God. And then the, the last thing is, is be a witness to sinners and walk close to the saints. You know, that's, a, that's, just, a good, that's just a good axiom to live by. Uh, witness to sinners, be a testimony, be a light to the lost, but walk real close to people that are walking real close with God. Uh, darkness and light are not compatible. And so because of that, that will determine how far you will go with relationships and so forth. There's some questions, and I, I got these questions. These are almost straight out of a book by R.B. Ouellette uh, about this subject, and th these questions are excellent questions. Consider these things in your own personal life. Number one, does this relationship or activity draw me closer to God, or does it draw me closer to the world? And be honest when you, when you ask those questions. When, when, I, when I don't see a difference between Christians and the world, does that bother me? When, the, when, there, when there doesn't seem to be a difference between Christians and the world, does that bother you? Uh, who, do, who do I spend the most time with? Do I spend the most time with saved people? Or do I spend the most time with lost people, with lost friends? Uh, do, I, do I feel more comfortable with worldly people or committed Christians? Um, one thing I like about spending time with committed Christians, sometimes they make me uncomfortable, but it's in the right way. Uh, you know, God has, but God's been awful, awful good to me. He's given me some really, really close friends that in, in many ways are, are stronger in some areas than I am. I like that. I like that. I like it when my friends say some things and I, and I get a little uncomfortable because uh, they're right and I'm maybe not as strong in that area as I ought to be. It makes me think. And, you know, I, I was talking with someone here just recently and we made the comment we were going back and forth about some Bible verses and about, about some concepts about Christian living. And, uh, and, and we both came to the conclusion, you know, iron sharpeneth iron. That's the way it ought to be. Your friendships ought to draw you closer to God, not draw you away from God in any way, shape, manner, or form. Um, another question we need to ask ourselves is, 
are, are, my, are, are my speech, my dress, my values, and my conduct distinct from the world? The world is going in one direction. You ought to be going in the opposite direction. Uh, that doesn't mean you dress like, you know, like Amish people and you stop using electricity and you only, or you're like Mennonites, you only drive black cars and stuff. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about uh, are you distinctly different or do you find yourself following the trends? I watch Christians. I've, I've seen it here. I've seen it here in this church. I've, I've seen it everywhere I, I go. Where, where Christians follow the world. Man, anytime I'm walking lockstep with the world, it's wrong, okay? It's wrong. And, and, and I ought to, to draw that line of distinction. There ought to be a difference. And then the last question, simply ask yourself, do my unsaved friends and family notice a difference in my Christian walk? Do my unsaved friends and family see that I'm different or do I, do I appear to be just like them? Uh, there ought to be a difference. And Paul said the reason why he had a hard time really capturing their hearts and, and, and getting the love from the Corinthian believers like he should have gotten because he had given so much love to them. The reason why he couldn't is because they were so much like the world. The world had captured their hearts. The Bible says we ought to not be unequally yoked, and that just simply means we shouldn't go and, and glom onto the world, and there ought to be a difference between us and the unsaved. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for the bluntness and the practicality of Scripture and how that you make it very, very clear that we are in the world, but not of the world. We're not supposed to be of the world. And when we start looking, walking, talking, and going in the same direction that the world's going, there's something wrong. And we can, we can give all kinds of excuses why we need to go that way. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I've never found any of those excuses that I have made to you to hold any water with you. And the truth of the matter is, light and darkness are different. The temple of God and the temple of idols is different. And we try to sometimes make, make those uh, differences uh, go away, but they're, they're, they're blatant. They're right in front of our face. And uh, Lord, you have called us out to be separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord. It's so important that we as individual Christians practice personal separation before you. And it's not just separation from the world. Uh, we, we, need to, we need to make sure that as we separate from the world, we separate and go closer to you and go closer to godly friends and go closer toward godly living so that, so that the lost world can see the difference and they can see Jesus Christ in us. Speak to us tonight. Show us, shine, shine the light of your word and your spirit upon our hearts and souls and the, the, the decisions that we have made over the years uh, and the, the practices that we're involved in even right now. And help us to see, Lord, where there's worldliness 
where we're following the world, when we're going in the right direction, right, in the wrong direction. Uh, shine that light of your word on that thing and help us to see that we need to be separate. We need to be different. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.